Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodokar Schaller. Hi everybody, welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to be talking about Top Banana. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get into the Top Banana, uh, we've got some feedback from uh, last week. All right. Um, Beautiful, man. First uh, message comes from our new friend, Stefan Swargard Mortensen. Oh, I want to hear you work that in. Yeah. He says, guys, thank you so much for a great show. I've been listening to you guys since the very beginning, and I'm impressed with how well-balanced you're keeping the show. Uh, He says, I used to own an Amiga 600 with two megabytes of RAM and an extra disk drive. I swapped it for my Sega Mega Drive 2 with a bunch of cartridges. My buddy had an Amiga 500 Plus. We came up from C64s, so the Amiga was a big step up. And then he goes on to say, with shows like yours, Rob O'Hara's, as well as Chicken Lips Radio, I feel like I'm reliving the best days, years of personal computing. The days that only our generation will fully appreciate, coming from a time when people didn't have computers at home, up to now where there's a chip in every light bulb. He's right. Well well done. By the way, uh, Mega Drive 2. Uh, uh, what is that? That's the Genesis Two. You know, the smaller Genesis. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I wonder what that. Did, what do they look like? It looks like. Well, you remember how the the Mega Drive One, the Genesis was really angular. It had a volume yeah. control yeah, knob yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. The the Model Two looks almost like. So this is the Model Two. Yeah. Okay, I know what that looks like. I thought this was some kind of like. You know, like I've got the Master System, the tiny one. I thought mm-hmm. it was some kind of really... Just like the Intellivision and the Intellivision 2. Just a redesign. Um, you gave up the Amiga 600 for that? We all make mistakes. Get it back, <laughs> Stefan. But otherwise, I agree with that. That was great. Um, let's see. We've also got a... Uh, a Actually, I guess we'll do this. Uh, we'll do this quiz at the end of the segment. But Darren Coles has submitted an Amiga quiz. Oh boy! And we're going to make this an interactive quiz. How's that going to work? I'll tell you later on. Oh, it's a, it's a it's a secret. It's okay. a secret. Um, but uh, that concludes all of the feedback from this week. So uh, you want to dive into some Amiga news? This was a light news week, if I, if I may if I may say. So we'll. I've, I've, there's a few things on here. Actually, I think. Most of the news that came up, I don't think I even uh, put it in here. So, uh, right off the, ga- the bat here, Chris Folds, who's I believe in the chat, uh, submitted for our approval new Amiga 500 cases? Question mark. Uh, have you seen this one yet? Uh, I did see this when he posted this up. I guess that this is a, um, it's a, it's a thing that you can stick your 500 motherboard in, and right. then it just allows you to have extra expandability. That's a good idea. 
Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of people appreciate the sort of pizza box design of the 2000 because it does allow for so much expandability. Yeah. So as long as you are able to extricate your 500 motherboard without causing any damage to it, I think this is this is a cool idea. This is like a, the Bodega Bay for the five. Remember the? Yeah. I've told you yeah. about that for the. Mm-hmm. I wanted so bad desperately back in the day. Yeah. So yeah, that hey. Uh, it's time for stuff like that, right? Where everyone's expanding. You know, mm-hmm. I like to see something for the twelve hundred, where you could do something like that, where you could have a little more room to operate in there. Yeah, and you don't have to hack into the plastic oh, of your man, case to add I know, stuff in. I know, I did it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you do one thing. Um, uh, and the other real news item we've got here, um, it's from uh, Indie Retro News, of course. Uh, is a uh, is a Star Wars inspired adventure game called Retro Wars. Now I heard about this a while back. But I believe it's only recently uh, went from Spanish to English, mm. uh, and it looks like. I mean, having looked at the stills, it looks it looks pretty good. Have you looked at this until right now? No, this looks like, I like something that's to HG Well, right? So you just had to. I, I love the art um, of a little kind of like chibi style. Um, looks like a simplified um, scum engine. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, and yeah. even the font looks like something from out of uh, Maniac Mansion or uh, Monkey Island. So, very cool. Now, I, I believe this is for sale on their site. Uh, I don't recall what it was going for. Let's see if there's. See, it's a, been uh, out for a, a good while. Uh, but uh, that's cute, Episodio. Um, okay. Yeah, boat is gonna. So Check it looks like price. you can get the the boxed edition. The twenty euros. For twenty euros. Oh, that's not so bad. Yeah, that's, that's, what is it about? 30 or 28 bucks yeah like i think something like that wow look at that yeah very and the cool. box looks awesome too yeah. doesn't it yeah yeah so, so hey head over to amigastore.eu have you ever looked around amigastore.eu i've not because i'm not in the eu so i never like look i, I know that's a stupid statement because i order stuff from there but i never i never have huh they've got a lot of stuff on here don't yeah they? looks like they've got let's check out see if they've got full systems here no one really carries the full system, probably, no, do they? Not the old no. stuff, anymore. But there is a lot of... Man, there are so many expansion boards and oh, yeah. dongles and doohickeys. We're living in a hacker's paradise yeah. here with the Amiga. It's, yeah. it's crazy time that's out there. That's awesome. Um, I think that's pretty much all the news I've got. There's some site updates. You want to tackle those? Buddy? Yeah, why don't you go over them and I'll, I'll okay. queue them up. Um, well, for starters, we... Just because we could, a couple weeks ago we, when we did our 3DO extravaganza, we played a game called... Uh, pro, uh, Royal Pro Wrestling, uh, or uh, the Japanese version, Jiku Live, on the on the 3DO, and that was I'd say of all the things we did that day, that was the most fun I had doing anything. Uh, we had a load mm-hmm. of laughs uh, playing this wrestling game, and the wrestling game was cheesy fun, good. We had a real good time with this, didn't we? But yeah, yeah, I loved this game. The intros were amazing. Uh, the the after match uh, confrontations were great. So uh, make sure you check that. If that you want video to see out. genuine emotion, watch me at the end of that video. <laughs> I've never been so happy. So if you want to see us play non Amiga stuff, that we do, we do it sometimes. It's, we've done it more here recently. We just sit down and film a bunch of stuff and then put it up. So if you're into that, uh, check out our channel on YouTube. And this one was Royal Pro Wrestling Royale with Cheese. Uh, Chris Folds. Chris Folds. Uh, posted uh, that, well, he shared this, which I didn't even see this. So he must have must have slipped past me. Did you read this? Uh, Tin Toy in the House of Fun. Uh, Tin Toy Adventure 
Uh, Dreamcatcher had a look at it. I've, I've heard of this. I've never seen the game. Have you ever played this? This, you, you know what this reminds. I think that I have played this. Actually, you know what? I get awesome. this. I get this confused with a Saturn game called Clockwork Night. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah that's what this reminded me of. Man, that looks um, great. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is a pretty uh, amazing thing. Um, we might have to do a show around this. Yeah, Dream Dreamcatcher. Um, it's all over. You know, this article, I did not, like I said, I saw it go up, but I didn't get to read it. But, man, this looks great. Yeah. Uh, of course, his Dreamcatcher, he always does the best stuff. While I'm thinking about it, speaking of Dreamcatcher, uh, something happened this week that, that I always love is when I'm researching uh, a game for the show, uh, the research points me back to our site, which is always great, everythingamiga.com, uh, your source for Amiga fun. And uh, Dreamcatcher did a... Uh, ludicrously detailed article on this week's game, Top Banana, which is, that poor guy. This probably, <laughs> you know, not to tip my hand, folks, but this will make you Top Bananas. And I'm wagering that that uh, this didn't do Dreamcatch any favors on, from his uh, uh, stability mentally, because this was, this is be tough to cover, and he went into mega, mega detail. So I wanted to, I wanted to pitch that. If you're interested in delving even further into this game, uh, seek psychiatric help, then look this article up because it's it's super detailed. Really, yeah. 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 Did you ever heard of Betty Boo? By the way, that must be a UK uh, artist because I'd never heard of this lady. No idea. Yeah. No idea. <laughs> they say that she has a resemblance. A to the pop lead pop rap artist. Yeah. My favorite genre. I know. I was going to say that. I'm surprised you don't know who that is, but <laughs> I think that's it, man. Okay. You got anything else? I think that that's it too. So. Uh, we gonna jump into the game? No. All right. We're gonna jump in. We're gonna start. We're starting a new segment we've been talking about for a while uh, this week. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look back at the Amiga in a year by year way. And so what we're gonna do this time out for this uh, initial uh, segment is take a look at uh, uh, the Amiga circa 1985, the year it was released. And we're gonna look at just what we're gonna do is look at the software that was out and sort of discuss it and sort of uh, contrast it with what was going on with the other computers at the time. And, uh, you know, if people dig it, we may do another year uh, here and there. Uh, 85 was the easiest year because it was the very first year that the Amiga came out. So uh, the Amiga 1000, as we've discussed previously, was released, officially released, on July 23rd, 1985. And it, uh, it shipped in September, right? So, so the year was almost over when it finally came that's out. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, and who knows how long these uh, companies had access to the to the hardware? I mean, we know how uh, uh, by the seat of their pants they were flying to get this hardware ready. If you right. if you know anything about the Amiga, I mean, they were they had crazy breadboards and weird builds, and they were you know they were doing everything they can to get this thing ready to go. Um, so, uh, just for reference. Uh, it was released in September, and, and in the United States, it was twelve hundred and ninety-five U.S. dollars. All right, that was get you an Amiga one thousand, and the uh, monitor was three hundred bucks, three hundred U.S. dollars. All right, so it was pretty well received, but but it wasn't really well received as a, as a business system, which is what they were trying to push it as. Right. Right. You know who John C. Dvorak is, right? Oh Very yeah. Very famous. He's uh, sort of the, um, who was the guy on 60 Minutes uh, that always complained about everything? Uh, Andy Rooney? Yeah, he's the Andy Rooney of the Well, John industry. C. Dvorak, I thought this was amusing, so I threw it in. He, he referred to the Amiga 1000s, a cheap, disposable game machine. <laughs> so, 
I like Dvorak. But screw you, Dvorak. <laughs> um, uh, so, br- just again for reference, Bruce Webster in Byte Magazine in the January 1987 issue uh, reported that Commodore had sold about 150,000 Amigas as of October of 1986. Mm. Okay, that will give you some idea of the um, the amount of units that were out there in, in 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 that in that area, right? So, 180, 150,000 by 86, and I'm, I don't have. I'm guessing that's worldwide. Uh, uh, but I can't, again, they didn't go into that. Um, and then by 87, early 87, rumors were spreading that the size of the Amiga market were dis- was disappointing software vendors because they didn't think they would, they'd have to be more It would be sold. interesting to know how many, um, how many models, say, for example, the Atari ST sold right, in that right, time right. period. Um, so, the, and, and a lot of people just said that the Amiga hadn't done as well as they'd hoped, to be honest with you. Um, a lot of companies were misinformed about what Amiga was going to be. Uh, Electronic Arts said they expected a, something that would sell around six hundred dollars instead of instead of an eighteen hundred dollar or fifteen hundred dollar business machine. They thought they'd be something in the ballpark. People, people thought that it was going to be the next game machine, like the Commodore sixty four was. Right. Uh, the best selling Amiga games at the time were selling about twenty five thousand copies, and that was in eighty six. And then if you they, if you compare that to what the C sixty four was selling. The best-selling games for the C64 were selling between 125 and 150,000 copies. Right. So that's a big hit. Yeah. It's the uh, it's the it's the Apple II slash Macintosh thing. And it was sort of it was sort of uh, uh, thrown out there that the, the 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 Amiga was so advanced that people were having trouble understanding how to what to do with it. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that landscape in mind, we're going to look at some of the, the we're going to look at every game that was released. For the Amiga in '85. Okay, now there are a few questionable ones in here, which I'll make, well, which I'll explain. And as you as you bring them up, I will bring them up on YouTube. So don't think okay. I'm not listening. Okay, oh, I wouldn't think that. <laughs> so again, uh, there were a few of these. I, I consulted the two big databases for the Amiga, which was Lemon and uh, Hall of Light, mm-hmm. which we of course we love both those sites. And uh, to get to kind of call together what was released in '85, okay, and they agreed on almost everything. There were a few there that uh, I put in that you know they could be '86, okay, right. but they they should all be pretty close to '85. So, um, and then I also put in generally what they were regarded as, like on, on as rated by Lim, and and we'll kind of talk about them. So the first one was a game that I have to say one of my all-time favorites, Archon: The Light and the Dark, which mm. is the Archon. Uh, great game. It's a uh, uh, a takeoff on chess where you uh, you know one side plays uh, the dark side, one side plays the light. The difference is when you actually get together, you actually fight, and these guys have different powers. Now, Boat, I know you're familiar with this, and what are your you thoughts? You know, on? it's funny. I have never, ever, ever played Archon. You've never played Archon. No. Have you played the second one? No. Are you kidding me? No. We're, I hope we haven't done that for a show, have we? No. That might have been one of those where I just I did pretended. Amiga's play on Archon to Ultra, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you need to yeah, you need to play these. Okay. They're great. Um, but uh, um, it was an electronic arts uh, and it was well received according to its rating on Lim and it got an 8.3, which it's this is an all-time classic free fall software, uh, a fun game. So uh, I think that's a pretty good hit now and we'll we'll discuss these in their entirety after I'm done. Second game on the list, another game that I'm familiar with, is a game called Hacker. Mm. Hacker uh, uh, was from Activision. Uh, it uh, was pretty well received by the Limit folks, 6.5 rating. I'd say that's about right. 
the one thing I remember about Hacker is when you, and I, I had to confirm this when I was researching this, the game starts you off that with like a log on prompt, and you don't have any documentation or any or have any idea what to do. Wow! And so you've got to just figure it out, <laughs> which I always <laughs> thought was cool. It makes you, it did make you feel like you were hacking something. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty interesting game. I, now again, I, this one I played on the C sixty four more than I played anything else. Um, the next game, and this is a one I had to look up. I wasn't sure. It was called Hex H E X. Not uh, like the department store. No. Uh, this one from was from an outfit called Mark of the Unicorn. It was a it was a puzzle game, um, and uh, it's a point and click. To me, I'm, having looked at it, it looks like a point and click, like a Cubert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, it's on our screen here if you're watching the video, and you're uh, looks very similar to Cubert. You're you're pointing around, but you there the the patterns you have to you see the up in the upper left is a little pattern symbol. You want to put the stuff in pattern order. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's pretty clever. You can see it, it turn the arena green. Yeah. So pretty simple, but that looks it's a pretty simple game, but it looks it looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next game now this one is <laughs> now you, we're gonna be working a little bit blue. You uh, might not want to pull uh, this one up, boat. Uh, of course. Uh, what's the what's the inaugural year of a of a computer without uh, some sort of weird sex game? Mm. And so you've got a game here called Interaction. Now this actually isn't that sexy. It's it, the <laughs> people in the limit gave it a four point two five. It's from an outfit called Intracorp. The funny thing about this is this is this is an educational sex game. Yeah, <laughs> the look <laughs> on Mode's face there was priceless. Um, it uh, it's sort of a, a, a database. You can fill out a profile of yourself. Because I know when I want to give my kid the talk, I want to just say, "Here, just play this well, game." Well, I mean, It'll this explain everything. Well, this uh, your kid would know. He would be very thoroughly <laughs> educated on this one. Uh, but it's sort of like a how-to. Like uh, it's it's unusual. But I mean, it is what it is. I mean, sure. it's not like smutty. I don't right. think you know. But it, it is what it is. So the next game uh, is a game called Master Type. Mm. All right, Master Type from an outfit called Scarborough Systems, and it, it got a seven point five amongst the Lemon people. Uh, Master Type is is a typing uh, tutorial with a space theme. Um, Looks like um, the uh, this is the Atari eight bit version. Uh, I don't know if the uh, if the Amiga version looks any more advanced, but it's got a kind of a mule look to it. The uh, the uh, the aliens and stuff. The aliens look like, like if they blew up the guys from Minor Twenty Forty Nine. Right, what exactly right. what they would look now, like. Now, hopefully, the Amiga version looks a little bit better. But it I, does. This is I got, looked at it. This has got better. a uh, this has got a, a little charm. So, to it. so uh, now the next one here. This one now this I thought was real interesting. There's a couple of these on here. The next game was a game called A Mind Forever Voyaging. Uh, from it's an Infocom text game. Now, I looked this one up because I've heard of most of the Infocom games, but I wasn't familiar with this one, so get this. Um, it's, a text, it's a text-based game based on the third book of, of, a, of a series uh, of three called The Prelude by William Wordsworth. Have you ever heard of him? Mm-mm. And so it's a political... It's, it's, very, it's got a lot of politics and whatnot in it, and it's... it's uh, the book was a, criti- a critically acclaimed critique of, of Reagan's politics in the era. You got to consider this is eighty five, so he'd been in for about uh, four years. Right. Uh, and uh, this was some a pretty tough game. It actually requ- this was a, a little more higher end than a lot of Infocom games. It required a little more processing power. There's a lot more going on. Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, now 
from what I read, it was not, it did not sell well, but it was critically acclaimed for it, for being very uh, different, unique. Yeah, I think by the time '85 had rolled around, the text adventure had sort of fallen out of. Oh, favor. you're so wrong because that's not the only one in this list, and there's some good ones in here too. Uh, and maybe you're too young. Um, the next game on my list, uh, this is from, and by the way, Mind Forever Voyaging uh, was got an eight amongst the uh, Lemon crowd, mm-hmm. so that's pretty, you know. And I, the Lemon crowd does a pretty good job with their ratings. I mean, I, I think they do a good job. Another one they've got, the next one they've got I hear from Activision, Mind Shadow. You ever heard of that one? No. But, okay. Uh, Mind Shadow. It's an illustrated text adventure. Yeah, it's sort and of this, a, is, this is what I'm talking about. This is sort of a tropical island affair. I think if you just spent $1,800 on an Amiga 1000, the last thing that you would want to purchase is a text adventure. Oh, now, $1,500. Having, having a... Um, you know, having a graphic to accompany it that's beautifully illustrated with 16-bit graphics, that's a whole different ballgame. But a blue, you know, wall of white text. Oh, I, now, listen, no one's questioning that. But yeah. there was also pricing was involved. And and, and you got to remember, despite what you think about your... So, Infocom was a big deal, and their games were quite popular. So, you know, you would offer them up. It's an easy port. That's sure. what aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You know? so, so, anyway, this game looked pretty interesting. Uh, uh it's a uh, like I said, it's some kind of deal where you're on a tropical island. It's your standard like uh, it's got a row of text, two rows of text for actions, and then uh, underneath there's like a, a dialogue box, mm-hmm. and then there's a picture, and there's an inventory. Pretty cool. Yeah, you know, looks nice. Box looks pretty cool. I I, I heard it was okay, not great. Mm-hmm. Um, now the next one, you, I guarantee you know, we actually believe it or not, we I think we covered this one. I know we did an Amiga's play, but I think we did a whole show on it. Uh, one on one basketball. Now this uh, this scored a seven point eight eight with the uh, with the Amiga with the with the Lemon crowd. Now having played this many times on other systems, I thought the Amiga version was pretty good. But I mean, again, now this is something. If I paid eighteen hundred dollars or whatever, I would probably be like, man, I thought this thing was. Where's that bouncing ball I heard about? I yeah. mean, this this doesn't look that much different from the eight bit. It's 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 it seems to be exactly the same as the eight bit, except it's got a little bit more colorful background. Yeah, I will yeah. say now all that aside, people some people rag on this game, but man, I remember when this came out, it was a pretty big deal. You had the two biggest guys in basketball, mm-hmm. plus you had a, a pretty fun one on one simulation of basketball. It was yeah. fun, yeah, you know, and you could. Break the back. I'm not saying it's not fun. It just right. does, it's oh, not know. a next gen game. Right, right, right. And then um, so uh, we're winding down here. So you, the next game I'd heard of this one. I've not played it uh, from Electronic Arts. The Seven Cities of Gold. Right, which I love the name of that. Seven Cities of Gold. This was a game that I again. That's this one I think was more of a. I'd heard of on the C64. Than I have anything else. Um, the player takes the role of a 15th century explorer uh, for the Spanish Empire. And you sail around a map and interact with natives to win gold and uh, make friends with the Spanish court. Pretty good, right? Yeah. Um, again, this one, uh, uh, it looks it looks okay. It well, kind of reminds me of a low a low res pirate. Uh, yeah, and it's mm-hmm. and some people will refer to this as like the uh, the uh, 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 the unofficial prequel to Pirates, mm-hmm. basically. And again, this is this is another game that got an eight bit computer release. That's oh yeah. Very popular. Well, we'll get back mm-hmm. into that because almost all of these did. Mm-hmm. So, the 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 next one on our list from Infocom again, Wishbringer, right? You ever heard of Wishbringer? Have Wishbringer. you played? Have you ever played any of the Infocom games, Boat? Uh, I played Zork and uh, just uh, I'm sure I played a couple of them on the Atari. This was a just a, it was another uh, of the uh, of the Infocom games. Uh, 
again, it was pop, pretty popular with the uh, with the lemon crowd. I mean, it's text on a white screen. Again, if you if I'd paid fifteen hundred dollars, is this the game I would run out and get? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they were big at the time. Okay, now these next three games, these are the last three, and you're and we go into an area where there is some controversy as to exactly when these were released, but we'll go into them real quick. So the next one, another Infocom game, Planetfall. Now, Planetfall, I did play back in the day. Uh, it's got an eight uh, rating from the uh, from the from the Lemon Crowd. Uh, Planetfall is a it's a text based uh, like space slash discovery game. I, be, I recall, as I recall, you start as like a uh, uh, you start the uh, pretty much the lowest rank you can, like the space admiralty, or you're I mean you're a complete scrub and you're and you're mopping the floor. I remember this, and then. Something happens, and you're like the only the ship crashes, or you're the only guy on the ship, and you explore. There's a lot of exploration. There's a lot of comedy. You know, it's a funny game. I believe it has a sequel uh, that was pretty popular. Did this one ring a bell for you at all? Infocom? No, I never heard of this one. Okay, it's it, pretty popular. I even remember the box art too. So that, there's that one. Then you've got one called Borrowed Time. Okay, now I've not heard of this one. It got a seven point five three. It's from Interplay, uh, and uh, it's a point-and-click adventure game, and you're a detective who tries to rescue his kidnapped wife, right? And it was uh, published by Activision, developed by Interplay. So this looks a lot like uh, the uh, the Desert Island. Right. It's, it looks like the same engine. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, hey, a detective story, kind of cool. Uh, and then lastly on my list of games, uh, we had Delta Patrol. This was Now this is a super obscure game. I, I, and I thought I'd just include it because I liked the, the name of the uh, people that made it with the Other Valley software. And uh, there's not anything really known about this game. So I'm guessing like no one in their right minds had it or bought it. Mm. But it's just some kind of crazy... Oh, just, this is not even the right yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a, just some kind of crazy game. So there were a couple... So let's take a look at this Delta Patrol real quick because I think that this is the ST The Other Valley, the that's version. it. Yeah, it's sort of like a... Uh, uh, it looks, looks like, like, sort defi- of like, like... It looks like Choplifter to me. It looks like of. Defender. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> so it's, it's like Defender, except your uh, your radar is full screen. It looks pretty and, good. Yeah, it? yeah, it doesn't look bad at all. Roy, of all the games we've looked at, this is one of the better looking games. <laughs> and so when people ask, why did the Amiga only sell 150,000 units in the first well, six months? It's because these were the games. Now a let bunch me, of text adventures and a Defender clone. Now let me go over a few a few last items here that I, I think are of interest. Because... Why did they sell it many Amigas? Well, they there were some good things going for them. So, um, in November of '85, an outfit called Microsystems Software introduced that thing called Scribble on the Amiga, and it's it was like a word processor. Got to have one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's and then also in '85, an outfit called MaxiSoft released a thing called MaxiCom. First, it was a first dumb terminal program for the Amiga, right? For your so you can get online. Sure. Right? And then, in, and this is a pretty important one. And when I posed this question on Twitter, what was your favorite bit of software in, in 85? The only people that had anything to say about it, because if you remember where, where the Guru Meditation guys mentioned this, and they were, and this, they were right. Uh, and this is probably the most important thing that released the whole year. Uh, Electronic Arts released uh, Deluxe Paint. Yeah. And that's that's really the killer app. Yeah. And you know, was, from the first year. It was a rewrite of Prism for the PC. And that was an enhanced port of Doodle on, that was made up on a Xerox hmm. system. Interesting. So, yeah, so there you go. So now to go back through these, 
a lot of these, I'll look through these. There were only two. I can only find of all these games we talked about, there were only two that were just on the Amiga. All right? The rest of these, it looks like they appeared at least somewhere else. Almost all of them are on the ST or the C, and some were on the C64 and some other, and like C++. The two that were that I could only find were they were only on the Amiga were Master Type, the typing space game, but we found that on the Atari, right? So mm-hmm. even that one wasn't listed as being anywhere else. The one, so I guess maybe we're down to one, Interaction, the text-based space uh, sex ed game. That's the only one I can find. I'm sure that sold huge numbers. So let's discuss this for a minute. So you had all these games that we discussed, all these Infocom games, all these the text adventure games, and the uh, and these. But I mean, in fact, they really all had one thing in common, right? They were almost all ports of eight bits. They were eight bit ports, effectively. Which so there was no one. This is a lot like our earlier conversation with VR. There was no one that had a game ready to go in '85 to say, "Here's what the Amiga can do." Bam. Right. You know, and so you had a bunch of also rans. Effectively, a lot of those games have been out for a while, and the text games really showed you nothing. Mm-hmm. So that first year was a little wobbly, yeah. uh, to say the least. T- to me, you know, and, and I don't know how the pipelines work, but I think that this is still the case even to this day. Is that I don't understand why, like launch releases, uh, like the first round of games, they're almost always terrible. Yeah. There are very few exceptions, but if you look at even in the current generation, like I remember when the PS2 came out, and the first raft of games that launched with the PS2, they were all they were all crap. Yeah. Um, the PS1, I don't know what launched with the PS1, but um, I can tell you, like Wipeout was amongst the okay. first titles. Uh, Ballerina to Shinden. Okay, so the uh, PS1. They had some pretty good titles. Pro- but but Sony had to do that because that was their first console. So they, But at the same time, you know, why didn't the Amiga launch? You know, Maybe it's because the hardware just wasn't ready and they had such I a think, small window. I think that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. I think people were also... You had a lot of established computers. It's tough to take that first tentative step into a new system. Uh, unless you're a big player or someone with a lot of guts, you know you're you're risking a lot of money. And really, let's face it, people have lost their shirts this first couple of years. Yeah. You know yeah. now, to put it in perspective, lastly, I, I had a look at uh, I used a couple of different database sites to determine how many games got released for other systems in '85, just for fun. Okay. So the C64 launched in August of '82, so it'd been out, you know, it'd been three years. Okay. According to the database, it had, and this is uh, uh, Lemon 64, I believe is where I got these numbers. It had over, four, it had almost 400 games released that year. That's, am- that's amazing. Mm. Um, I looked up the Atari 8-bits, okay? Now, uh, the Atari 400 released in November of 79. Okay, now... Was four hundred? Was that the very first eight bit that was released? For I, I believe that the no, I believe the the eight hundred was launched first, but the four hundred followed soon after. Okay, so we're somewhere in the ballpark of seventy nine. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, the that year in eighty five, of course, this thing now you're looking six years old. Mm-hmm. Six hundred games were released that year. Six hundred games for yeah. the for the uh, Atari computers. Now the Atari ST had been released in June of eighty five. So they beat Amiga to the market by a month, uh, and we're probably shipping sooner as well, mm-hmm. right? Because obviously the Amiga didn't ship until later in the year. The Atari ST, and it had 45 games listed. I'll, I'll pr- almost all these plus another, you know, 30 some. Mm-hmm. So the ST was jumped way ahead early, right? 
now the Amiga caught up clearly, but I thought it was interesting that the, that they released. It's it's crazy they released. This might explain why the Amiga got such low end support early. Because I mean, you are you're just Atari, the big monster, just released their new big time computer at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's very similar. And this is this is the issue is that, um, you know, if you're going to sell a fifteen hundred dollar computer. You don't want to. You don't want it to be known as a fifteen hundred dollar games machine, okay? right? But if you don't sell with a whole bunch of productivity apps, then that's exactly yeah. what you're going to be known as. And really, what they were known as, I think, that first year was the company that had nothing. <laughs> yeah, really didn't have much productivity stuff, and it's not like the games are blowing them out of the park either. Right. The Commodore desperately, from what I read, they really wanted to be considered a, a productivity mm-hmm. and a, like an IBM type yeah. PC, and. Uh, um, it took them a while before they embraced the other side. Yeah, and you know? if you look, and I'm at, not sure the ST ever wanted to do that. I, I mean, maybe they did. I don't. You know, I think that the ST just they they. I don't know that they ever had a clear and focused vision of what they wanted that machine to be, uh, other than they wanted it to be price competitive. They wanted to be vengeance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but when you when you compare it to another computer that launched within that same time frame, the original Macintosh. You know, they made a concerted effort to not have any games on their platform. You know, Steve Jobs is very famous for not wanting to make the Mac like the Apple II. The Apple II was the games machine. But they launched with a whole raft of desktop publishing apps that were truly state-of-the-art. You know, you could, you could change fonts. You know, um, it was a black and white system, but it was very high resolution. And there was no question that it was a business machine. Um, should the Amiga have gone that route? Well, maybe. But I don't know that they had the software developers that could pump out something that was as good as, you know, Mac Wright. Um, Deluxe Paint, like you said, it was not original to the Amiga, even though it's most famous for the Amiga. It was a port of a previously existing PC platform. You know, if you think about it, and we can close with this, think about the environment that the Amiga was launched in, okay? We've just mentioned the Atari... 8-bits had been around for a while. I don't know how big they were in Europe, but they were pretty popular here, mm-hmm. right? So you had the Atari line. Then you've got your uh, C64, been only out a couple years. So the C64 was just hadn't even hit its full stride yet. They were cooking, right? Then you also had the ST that just got launched. You already had the, the Apple's uh, entries at that time. You also had the TI-99, which was a big deal over here. Uh, well, it's quasi big deal at the time. It was you know pretty bright. You had the co- the uh, color computer mm-hmm. was was still doing well. You also had the the emergence of the uh, of the uh, the PC line, your clones, PC juniors, all that sort of wacky PC market was going on. And you had the launch of the Nintendo Entertainment System. Sure. So you've got a, it's a crowded market space there. And you're trying to be the one out of all these that's going to be the productivity computer, you're, or you're going to be the, whatever your niche is. Tough, it's tough. It's a long road to hoe. Especially when you've got, like, the Mac had, even back then, had a rep. Right. For being, like, the publisher's computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the PC had was the spreadsheet computer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what does that make your computer? Right. You know, and no one ever said, hey, these C64s are going to be, we're going to use these things for productivity. No. You know, so outside of outside of magazine ads, you know, nobody seriously thought that that was the I case. I wonder if Amiga, I mean, I granted, they pushed it like an artist's computer, and that's what it ended up being to a certain degree. But I wonder mm-hmm. if Amiga, if they started out right out of the gate and said, we're going to have the best games, period. Maybe, that, I don't know if it would have made a difference. It's hard. That's a hard sell to parents paying that much money You're for You're right, especially when the NES just popped out for 100 whatever yeah, they I mean, we're talking it. about something that literally costs 10 times the amount. Yeah, of. yeah, you're right, you're right. But anyway, that's a look at the... Uh, 
uh, Amiga 1985, and uh, if y'all like that, maybe like we'll that do that was well put together. We'll oh yeah, thanks. That. Talk about top banana. Oh man, this is this is what you've been waiting for. You've been waiting all your life for this moment. First of all, but who was it that suggested this to us? This was uh, Blendo75, Patreon supporter. You should be taken out and killed, sir. I'm sorry. (laughs) Actually, he said this was the worst game he'd ever played. Yeah. Well, we'll get into it, Blendo. But uh, I'd like to throw this at the Blendo. So, Top Banana. Now, this game was, I don't want to say released. It was unleashed. It 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 escaped. In 1992, ponder that for a minute. 92, so it's a late, late release for well, the. Well, not that late, but uh, it was developed by an outfit called Hex, H E X. Ironically, we saw it, we talked about a game called. <laughs> Still Hex. not the department store. Um, it was a uh, believe it or not, this came on two discs. What's this? That is uh, unbelievable. Um, one player and the uh, the outfit that did this were uh, just a few people, and only one of them have has ever done anything before or since the. Uh, the big, the brain trust, the master behind this is a guy named Miles Visman. He was responsible for a game called Turbo Tracks, not Turbo Tax, Turbo Tracks, which I've never played. I always thought that. What was the name of that big toy? That big uh, tracks. Big tracks. I've got okay. one of those, by uh, the way. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this this was uh, you could play this on any Amiga, go crazy if you really wanted to. Believe it or not, this was a conversion. <laughs> if you can believe that, <laughs> did you know that? I did know that. Yeah, it, it was based on the 1991 Acorn Archimedes hit. Right, right, boy. You know the Archimedes. That might have been its darkest that hour. Was it. The Archimedes. <laughs> they found its Achilles heel. It was also uh, let loose on the Atari ST, so they weren't spared the pain <laughs> over there. Um, so. Gosh, where to begin on this game? Let's talk about the game itself, okay? Now, you know, in this modern day, I had the, I had the, I found the manual for this, if you can believe it. So I'm just going to go into this a little bit. See, I, because this game is such a, it, it puts together such a rich environment that I think we need to expostulate on exactly what's happening in the game. So you play as KT. It's her, and she's the top banana. Mm-hmm. All right, get it? Uh, Does it actually say she is the top banana? It says introducing K, C, KT in her first game. So top we don't banana. we don't know if she is the top banana. All right. Uh, her talents include singing and dancing. <laughs> in the in the video for the latest record, Global Chaos. Okay, we don't even, I'll get into that in a okay. minute. This is straight from the manual. The planet is under threat, uh, but. And it's not from aliens or evil wizards, but from direct consequences of our own greed and stupidity. Hey, I live what with a, that every day. What a way to start your... <laughs> so, it's a, there's a lot of stuff here. The only way you can, you can take and uh, repel these evil forces is with your love. This is what you use in the game to repel these evil forces. Your love. Your sweet, sweet love. Sweet, sweet love. And so, you... Uh, and that's how that's the greatest challenge. I'm not going to read all this. It's so hokey. But so this sets up because I, I wondered as I went through this game what in the God's name I was doing. So this is a upwardly scrolling platformer. Mm-hmm. Right? You stop me when I've screwed this up. Where you try to get to the top of each level, mm-hmm. avoiding obstacles, jumping from ledge to ledge, and the only weapon you have is your love. Sweet love. 
Our sweet love. And your love is represented by uh, uh, little hearts mm-hmm. that you shoot from your body. Right. It's your love gun, just like Kiss, all right? <laughs> so um, KT has her love gun, and she shoots these bad guys. The bad guys come in several different forms. I, uh, they're not the easiest things to make out. Uh, let's see. I think I saw bulldozers in there. Uh, you want to take a stab at what some of this stuff is? There's some acid rain. Yeah, one of the things looks like the cover of that thing right there. looks like the cover of a Public Enemy album. Um, the, the, in the crosshairs, a guy in the crosshairs. Oh, there's, and yeah, there's yeah, there's the bulldozer. Um, yeah, there's a thing that looks like, like chainsaws. A, right, I guess they're cutting down the rainforest. You know, yeah. one of the many problems with this game is that you don't know what is friend and what is foe and what is background. Yeah, which we'll we'll get into that. Um, so so yeah, you 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 as you progress up these levels, uh, you'll get to the top, and as you go along, it's got boat's favorite thing: four hundred billion collectibles. <laughs> This game uh, looked at Super Frog and said, we can do this better. Mm-hmm. And, and so they went out and they put in 4 billion collectibles. And I think they're in the form of mostly fruits, like a la pa- Miss Pac-Man, I guess. So, and when you get to the top of the level and you complete it, like, you will fall, the whole level will come down and big, huge, enormous items will fall on you and you can collect them for points. And that's like your bonus. And that's that's the level. Uh, you've got a rainforest level, which you want to describe this level to the listeners, Bo. Well, they can't see it. I'm going to play a little bit of the uh, the soundtrack for you, so you can hear the rainforest sounds. Oh, man, if well, I'll, I'll let you do that. So the the one uh, the one good thing about this game, it's saving grace. It's not really it's saving grace. Yeah, at I can all. hear this. Uh, the rainforest backdrop, the the birds and the things. I think that that's that's not bad. Um, however, uh, when you get hit by anything, uh, you might have already heard this. Uh, you make a very uh, bad sounding ugh sound. Um, so the, the, you're, you're, it's set in the rainforest. I'm going to turn that lovely music back off. Um, the uh, the the backdrop is a green, and several items in the foreground are also green. Um, so it's it's impossible sometimes to just really tell what's what. It's almost like they went out of their way to make the worst looking game imaginable. First of all, let me start my descriptions by saying if this is the way a true rainforest is, we should burn them all. I, I, I'm with the loggers. Um, the uh, gosh, where to begin? It's first of all, no game has sounded this grating. I mean, ever in the history of all games, mm-hmm. I have never heard a game that was more unappealing from an audio perspective. Right, especially from an outfit of DJs. Uh, these guys should have their DJ cards revoked. I, I mean, agree. the audio in this is, I mean, that noise that KT, but let's talk about KT for a minute. KT, the lovely, environmentally conscious emo girl, is the, so ugly. She looks, you want to try, well, how do you describe her? It looks like emo Phillips with a, with a, with a fun bob and a, and a, Facebook clown makeup. Yeah, or? it looks you know it looks she looks like a ventriloquist dummy in that her eyes are completely wide open, um, and she's 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 got clown makeup on, um, but her her face is is an implacable uh, smile that the borders on the demonic. 
You know, we just watched that Ric Flair 30 for 30, and Rick wasn't the best parent. If 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 you were like I, I, I pretend Mr. Do is Ric Flair, if this is like his <laughs> sad emotionally strained daughter, this is Mrs. Don't and Mrs. Don't mean don't play her game. I mean, I, I Jesus, what, that's quite the analogy you well, said. I, up there. I thought about this quite a because I looked at this. I, I swear to you, uh, when I when we do a, a game, uh, when we do a, our take on a game, I, honestly, I try to sit down and give these games a lot of attention. Sure. I have never, in the, and I'm talking Castlevania, first-person pinball, all the horrible games we played. I have never wanted to turn a game off more than I have this one. Yeah, and it's not because of the gameplay. Yes, I mean, it is. That's part of it. Well, <laughs> the, the gameplay is part of it, but the gameplay is not the worst. It's the combination of the gameplay and the graphics. <laughs> Uh, they, they unite against you in such a way that I've never seen before. It is. I mean, it, it, it's like an affront on your senses. Yeah, yeah. So let, let me get through the rest of these levels here, and then we'll move along. So you've got this rainforest level. Uh, then the next level, and I use the cheat, to, believe it or not, to play all these levels. And I, I'm really embarrassed to see that. Then you've got the Metal City level. The Maniac Metal City is a loveless place, according to these documents. Um <laughs> So you've got that level. Then you've got the world's temple level, uh, the temple level. Uh, this is a uh, it's it is what it is. And then you've got the last set of levels are the mindscape levels. And the mindscape levels, I mean, these things were. I don't know who thought this level. I mean, I you haven't seen the last no, level here. No. Man, it's just a calamity. The, I mean, it's the ugliest of the bunch. This game. Let's see, how many rudimentary game-making mistakes does this make? Aside from the graphics and the sound, every level aside from the very first level starts you in immediate danger, mm-hmm. which is something I hate. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're instantly, if you're not right. tapping the fire button, you're instantly losing hit points. Mm-hmm. The hitbox on this is bizarre. Mm-hmm. The level platforms are set up to be as difficult and annoying as possible. Right. The enemies randomly will have one or two hits. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, sometimes they will shrink. Mm-hmm. The uh, some of the enemies are stationary and they look just like uh, pickups, and you'll run into them. Some enemies you don't know are enemies at all, and you run into them on purpose, and then they hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes things are too small to hit. Uh, you know, it's everything about it is just so super irritating. Yeah, one of the things, one of the many things that irritated me about this game, and something that actually an easy change that would have made it a lot more playable is that um, whenever you're hit by anything, it immediately drops you down a platform. Yes. Um, if they would have taken that out, it would have been, I mean, this it wouldn't have made it a great game, but it would have made no. it a more playable game. Um, also, the way that the platforms are set up is that um, there's almost no, uh, there's, there's no alternate path you can take. There's only one set path that you have to complete these levels on because of the way the platforms are spaced out. Um, you can never skip platforms. Like you can never jump two at a time. Uh, your jump—it's almost as if they had a grid and they made these platforms according to a grid with your jump height. No creativity whatsoever. The uh, the backgrounds—I read a little bit, believe it or not, about the technical aspects of what is going on. Because if you look real close when you play this game, there's actually some like, I guess, parallax scrolling that's mm-hmm. going on yeah. in a weird way. So, the Amiga has a mode, for, and from what I read, they use this mode. It's called HAM, Hold and Modify. It's usually mostly for graphics. 
they use that somehow on these backgrounds. I, like I said, I'm not 100% sure how they did it, what they did. It's funny, in, in, a, in a weird remedial way, if they had if they had chosen backgrounds that didn't blend so thoroughly into the foreground, they may have sort of had something, because the way the game scrolls upperly, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty smooth. It's, you know, I mean, you could almost see, and like you said, this is not the worst gameplay. Like, I found this more playable than, say, it was up in the same realm as like when we did Castlevania or something. It was like don't, which is not a compliment, my right? But, but it's not absolutely the worst. But it's just the stuff that sucks is the hit detection, the knockback, the, again, the the way the levels are 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 structured. Oh, by the way, there's water that comes up under you that you've got to you're supposed to stay ahead of the water mm-hmm. that's coming up. That's another obstacle, on the, at least on the on the first level. I only got like I said, I played a little tidbit of the other levels, but they were so hard I couldn't get very far. On. Right. And I could not find an indestructibility, uh, 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 you know, element to the to the cheat codes. Um, this game was put out by an outfit called Hex. All right, so I looked into these guys, and this is this is a, a strange story in itself. So the Hex guys are are, are were like a DJ hip hop duo that it went on to be known as Hex Static. Okay, um, and they they did a bunch of DJing. They did some crap with 3D glasses. They did uh, rave visuals. Uh, they did a they did a, a CD-ROM, and they ended up actually porting this to um, the CD-TV in a package. Believe it or not, and, and uh, I looked at this. I mean, I, I suffered for this game, but I want you to know that I want your appreciation. And I went and played this. Now it's the exact same game, but they've got some of their. Uh, Stylized musical things on it. I don't know, what the, <laughs> like samples. And no, no, this is like songs, and they were horrible. And I mean, it was like I mean, the Amiga is known as a great music machine, mm-hmm. and see the TV is an Amiga, right? And these were not good. The visuals were not good. I mean, it was just remedial, low end DJ crap, mm-hmm. crap. And I like dan- I love acid stuff, and I like dance music, but. This was a, this was a not big the, old not fail. a good example. Of and the having genre. this game on there added non bonus, you know. So oh my I forgot, gosh. yeah, I we, forgot to we, mention we, this. So because uh, it just popped up on the screen, when you get to a certain point in some levels, you get this sort of a photo negative. Yeah. And and, and I'm glad that I, I watched the blue and I watched the whole playthrough of this. Some poor sucker, God bless that man, played this thing all the way through. Dan Warren and. And but you get to certain points in the level, and when it goes photo negative, the, it slows everything down to a crawl. Yeah. And, and at I mean, first, I thought it was my, I thought it was the uh, Amiga Forever or my Amiga. I mm-hmm. on t- t- and I, it did it on both things. And so I, I watched the video, and it does it in the video too. So and that is real annoying. It's it's an assault on your eyes. And the fun, oh is. man! And yeah. the funny thing is, like when the the level that I, the one level that I got a high enough one where it did it. Is uh, you would get halfway up the uh, level and then it would come on and you had to climb out of it effectively. So every time you fell back into it, oh, you fell right gosh. back into it. You know, and you're just like, oh my gosh! I mean, it was brutal, brutal game. Um, so anyway, getting back to Hextastic, uh, this was their lone effort. Uh, w- w- this game, thank God. Uh, they also, but like I said, they, mostly they did a lot of music stuff. They've actually won awards, believe it or not. They did music video editing. They work with a, a, a DJ or a rapper called Cold Cut, which is a great 
That's a great, great name. <laughs> so, oh man! If you want, if you want to look into what he- Hextastic is has been up to, you know, I mean, there there's stuff out there. I think they have a website. I didn't, I didn't delve too deeply into it, <laughs> except that you know, I wouldn't know who to point the finger at. Is this? Would you say that, that this is their most successful commercial achievement? No, because they won awards, and this did not win this awards. This didn't win awards. No, mm. well, I mean, it should have won. Oh, you know, game mo- most played before suicide <laughs> would be this game. Uh, this game also built itself, and you're gonna love this. What an angle this was, because I guess this is it mixes in with the uh, with the theme. This game was built as the first uh, environmentally friendly game. The packaging uh, on it was. Uh, recycled cardboard and so there you go that was one of the big claims of fame so you can see the uh hey it's funny we just talked about environmental stuff on the pre-show hey i love i love the environment i live there but i mean this did not do this was not doing <laughs> this, anyone did not, this did not inspire me to cut a check i wanted i wanted to take a blowtorch and a chainsaw <laughs> to every tree i saw to play in this uh but uh yeah i can't i can't think of any game we've played and I'll say it now because we have, you know, I don't know when we're going to get to 150 if we do another flashback show. This is an early contender for the worst batch of game we've played this set. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be, I'm trying to think if it's a game I enjoyed less. I I mean, even 3D Pinball was ambitious. I mean, uh, uh, first person pinball. I can't think of anything I hated more than this ever that we've ever done. Yeah. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, all together, this is the worst. Um, just because it is a combination of literally the worst graphics I think I've ever seen of any video game and the frustrating playability aspects of it. Um, You'd think that a 16-bit system could produce graphics, even at its worst, that would be better than earlier systems. But this game is an example of why that's simply not the case. They've taken all the worst aspects of digitizing things, digitizing still objects and animating them, making um, backgrounds that are make, that render the foreground unintelligible, um, and then topping it off with one of the most hideous looking main characters I think I've ever seen. Have we seen anyone stupider looking than KT? No. I mean, this person makes the Lionheart guy look like Sean Connery. Now wait a minute. <laughs> this this chick. Remember that? Remember the bully caveman? Yeah. Uh, the time traveler. Mm-hmm. I really hated him, but man, I was aching for that guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she is so. And the noises she makes. Have you? I mean, honestly, have you ever played a game on any system that was so offensive no. in every conceivable way? No, I haven't. I mean, the audio on this, we haven't touched on the audio. You can't understand how ugly it is. Yeah, I'll, I'll, play, I'll play a little bit more of it as we I continue mean, to talk. It makes you want to, to gouge your own eyes and ears out. It's horrible. You know, it, I was thinking about this when I was on the way over here. You know, generally, when we do a game, and I don't think it's on purpose, but I, I try to be pretty nice to the games, even if I'm not really down with it, because a lot of times you don't get to spend enough time with it. Yeah, and it's good to find the positive. You know, and I do, and I, I try to. I, I don't want to be one, I don't want to like the video game nerd, just kill these games. Right. I mean, and it, but I don't think I've seen a game that I couldn't, I, I hate every aspect of this game. And what's what really makes me mad is somewhere in here, there could have been something, the upward scrolling 
platform game. You it's, could make it's not bad. You, you know, can you make can do an, something with it. Yeah, you can make an environmentally conscious Rainbow Islands clone. Well, they said this. A lot of people compare this to Rainbow Islands, which don't. I mean, don't don't do that. Well, it's it's, it's the game that you can compare it to the most. Yeah, uh, uh, but I mean, I like you know what it reminded me of was a little bit. It was like Popeye. Popeye 2, remember where you jump upwards in that one? Right. But, I mean, Popeye mm-hmm. 2 was way better, and I didn't like it either. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, you could take a cutesy character, but, I mean, the good guys are ugly, the bad guys are ugly, everything in this is ugly. And you're right about the ray tracing. What they did was they basically digitized things. Mm-hmm. I but, think they were using Wilcox's handheld scanner, yeah. too. <laughs> well, I mean, when you when you scan stuff like that, on a and it's sort of low res, it just looks really bad mm-hmm. you know it doesn't look yeah. like something it looks like nothing now what it the advantage of it is they could scale it and mm-hmm. so when it's at full size it doesn't look you know when it starts falling from the sky it looks okay but uh and it's just like the whole the ham thing in the background i mean you could have put something back there that was less abrasive mm-hmm. than what they've got i mean even the foreground like we're looking at a level here that i think this is the city level look at the post that those platforms were. it just look like glitch. Yeah. It looks the whole game looks like it was it's glitched up. Right. It's like when when um when you're playing a game and something's gone wrong and you just see the code running in the back, you know, and, the different sprite tiles and, and things. And the colors, like I guess that's acid rain, but I mean I like it's ugly looking. Mm-hmm. Even the smallest details are Even hideous. the things that are supposed to be cute and pretty are ugly in this game. Yeah. So we could sit here and talk all day about what we hated, but right. we'll just go with the fact that it's it's not a game I would I, I do want to in. mention one comment from the chat. Paul Kitching, who's watching us live, he says the most famous cold cut thing is probably a song called Doctor in the House Doctor. featuring Yaz and the plastic population. Okay. So Yaz I've we've heard of. You yeah. remember Yaz, yeah. Only Carl Ustrinsky looking through the window of love no. is like a story wow. above. You don't know that song? Man, after hearing that, turn up the volume on the game. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um anyway, we'd hate it. Oh, the, let's, we probably should mention the reviews and stuff. As we 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 spent so long killing it. We've read it. So people reviewed this. Guess what? Oh. It didn't do well. Um so Amiga Action gave it a, a hearty 55. Amiga Joker, are you kidding me? <laughs> they, they they laid this down, climbed to the top rope, and dropped a big 16% on it. Bam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> believe it or not, you're not going to believe this one. Amiga Mania gave this an 80%. They should be taken out and killed. Yeah, yeah. Amiga Power, 45%. And something I've never even heard of, that that's a mag- magazine. I'm guessing German. Uh, 75%. Again, taken out, killed. Mm. I looked on eBay for this, believe it or not, and uh, there were none. However, one had recently sold, if you can believe that, uh, and it had sold for like um, a ton of money. Apparently, the CDTV version of this, that Global Chaos, is is very, very rare. And and it's a uh, uh, let me find the exact price here in my notes. I've got so much crap here. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Here it is. It sold for it sold for this in the U.S. Ponder this, if you will. The, think of the global chaos, the music package, the game, all in one disc. A hundred and eight dollars in the United States. Well, you know, I can see that because this is. This is just a title that I'm sure was released in very, very, very limited quantities. Um, it's it's one of those just like Chase the Chuck Wagon for the 2600, 
where it has this sort of an angle with you know music producers behind it plus that the environmentally friendly stuff that surrounds it it's it's a neat story um, I can see the collectability of a game like this. Well, just a little bit, or this is from, uh, ironically, this is from uh, uh, Dreamcatch's article that's available on our site. We strongly recommend you'll read that. Um, the the uh, When this thing came out, the CDTV revision, which is what I looked at, it had soundtrack uh, mixed with vocals. And get, listen to this. Some of these guys we've actually heard of. Uh, it, one of the guys on it was Biz Marquee. Oh, now, him, I know. Say you just you got what yeah. I need. Um, and so, <laughs> yes, that, that Biz Marquee was associated with these guys. I love the Biz. Well, I don't love the Biz, but I mean, what? He, I, I was amused by the Biz. Oh, but what man. else has he done? You hear his stuff with the Beastie Boys? No. Oh, it's great. I'm not a huge Beastie Boys fan either. I like the Beasties, but I'm not a big fan. But that much said, these guys are all far superior to what we <laughs> what we looked at. So that's it. I washed my hands of this game, and Blendo, we I got a bone to pick with you. <laughs> then again, Blendo, as I recall, his comments last week were like, "This is garbage." Right. It's gonna, you're he gonna... warned us. He so warned yeah, us. we we paid the ultimate price. We don't usually go after a game, but man. This one, yeah, yeah. It's like I used to. I never walk out in a movie, but all right. <laughs> all right, Aaron. Well, um, it is time for our quiz. Our uh, the interactive what's, 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 quiz. Yeah, what's turning into a, a new uh, weekly segment on the show. Uh, again, I'd like to thank Darren Coles for submitting uh, these questions. We're going to do this. This is a two-part quiz, and what we're going to do is I'm going to let you guess the answers right now, knowing full well that you'll probably get most of them wrong. And um, I hate this quiz. <laughs> and uh, but I would like our uh, audience members to please write in with your answers. Um, just uh, number one, two, three, four, five. Um, and the first uh, three quizzes that come back correct, uh, I will ship out a super special prize. You'll get one of these nifty Amigos magnets uh, sent directly rage. to your home. So uh, listen to the quiz questions uh, and write to amigos at amigospodcast.com with your answers. And uh, like I said, I'll choose the, the, the first three that come in. Uh, we'll get announced on the podcast next week as I as you destroy, destroy the audio. Um, and uh, and you'll get one of these awesome straight magnets. Straight from Hawaii. Yeah, straight from Hawaii. Thanks again to Jonas Rulo for uh, sending these, these awesome magnets. All right, Aaron. So let me get this straight. I'm going to make a guess. And then the listeners at home could just go with me. Right. So I'm not going to know if I'm right or not. Right. Not you won't know until next week. All right. Go ahead. I'm ready. Okay. This is going to look stupid, is it? Because I don't want that. Uh, we'll see. Oh, damn. Okay. Go ahead. Number one. Members of which famous demo group went on to write Pinball Dreams? I don't know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a big demo guy. Number two. What year was the Amiga 600 released? Wait, the first question, I'm going to say Fairlight. Okay. 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 What year was the 600 released? Right. That's number two. Oh, let's go with, um, let's say 92. 92, 92 is your answer. Okay. Uh, I'm going to write your answers here on the notes so we can go so back to them. So you can humiliate me yes. later. Okay. Okay. Um, number three is... Which Amiga developer, after producing a very famous Amiga game for Psygnosis, went on to write Destruction Derby for the PlayStation? No idea. Although I like that game. Okay. How many hardware sprites does the Amiga have? Just take a guess. Zero. Okay. 
And what company, this is the final question number five, what company was the official distributor of X Copy? <laughs> Gosh, you think I, I've stared at that screen for so long, you think I'd never remember that. I don't remember. It's been so long since I used X Copy. I don't know. All right. So I didn't do well. You did not do well. How many of these would you have gotten, Bo? Zero. Okay. Okay. Do you know what X Copy is, Bo? Uh, is that just like commercial software sold that allows you to make backups well, of your games? Yeah, I should ask you a harder one. Yeah. Just keep going, Bo. Okay, well, that's the that's the end of the first question, or the first quiz. I hate so, that quiz. Uh, who, who made that? That's Darren Cole. Too hard, Cole. <laughs> All right. Keep um, it simple for the humanoid. And uh, remember, please, guys, follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Google Plus. Google Plus. Spreaker. Um, yeah, Chris Folds inquired <laughs> about where the show notes can be found for each episode. That's a great question. You can find our show notes over at our Google Plus page. Where we read them directly. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris didn't know it, but he inadvertently helped me with my show notes. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Um, and you can contribute to our show notes by posting to the Google Plus page. That's right. Uh, it's time, Aaron, to thank our lovely Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. And this week... I don't see the guitar. Well, this, this week. week we're doing it a cappella. Oh, man. Because we're talking about Sweet Sweet Love on... Uh, we were. We were. So I thought we'd do a little song with love in the title. All right. <clears throat> the slow Norris, Stefan Sigurd Mortensen, Edmund Helen Bellendo, 75... John Marshall, Christopher Hassel, Ravi Abbott, Chris Foles, Dreamcatcher, Lauren Jeru, Graham Vepke, Brent Dottie Landinson, Adam Battersby, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Hucker, C. Brian Jones, Paul Harrington, Darkest Isles. Alan Kabam, Anthony Jarvis, Taves from the Crypt, Josh Nan, Will Williams, Adam Bradley, Neil Mansell, Jonas Rulo, THT, Eric Nelson, Kim Tommy Humberstam, Daniel Bingston, Rudy Barracuda, Derek Cole, Jason Walls, Pixels of Dawn, Gilbjorn Barman. Now I'm, I'm going to try to guess the song you were doing. Don't tell me. Okay. Because that was just, just horrible. And by horrible, I assume you mean amazing. No, I mean painful, mm-hmm. agonizing. Mm-hmm. I beg for the sweet release of death. Was you were you doing that? Loving you, yes, is easy cause you're beautiful. You is know, that the one? Yeah. Da, 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 da. You didn't hit the high note. I did hit the high note. That was you didn't hit it. You didn't hit any of the low notes either. There it is. Man, oh that do, song's in the Do trash. you know who sang that? Oh geez, no. There's, Many, well, there's been several versions of it. No, there hasn't. Yeah, there has been, been one, two. There's only been one person that's ever sang uh, that. Uh, uh, don't tell me. Uh, it was a dude's brother. I remember that. No dude has ever sung that song. No, it's a dude sang it. No, a dude sang that song. You're thinking of a different song. No, man. Oh, go ahead and you tell me who sang the verse you're talking Minnie about. Minnie Ripperton. I don't know. How, yeah, I know her. How do you even know her name? What else has she done? That's it. She died after that. Wow. I almost died after you did it. <laughs> yeah, she died when I'm she was I'm glad she's not around to hear that. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well. Oh, before I forget, two things. One, the uh, Amigos Challenge... It's over. Uh, it's taken me a little extra t- 
time to cobble together the video and something that's presentable. But I promise you, sure as I'm sitting here, that next week, even if I don't have the video done, I will release the winner's name and rank everybody, but I'm working on it. Secondly, what do we need to talk about that we always forget every week that people reminded us to, to talk about? Go I ahead. just mentioned the social media. Yeah, but I just thought I'm going to say that every week because we always forget to talk about something. Oh. What do you got? Know. Nothing. Nothing. We got it. We're All done. Right. Good. Well, next week, Aaron, uh, we are going to take a turn. Hold on. Because no. if you try to lay a top banana back on me, I'm going to pummel you. <laughs> top banana too. Bam! <laughs> no, we're gonna we're gonna take a turn for the better. Pun intended. <laughs> That's impossible to go worse. With F1 challenge. Oh, okay. Wow. I don't know who the clever, handsome devil was that suggested that game. I don't know. Some other podcast host. Uh, so we're gonna give that a whirl, and uh, we will check back in with you guys next week, back at our normal recording time. Uh, Friday at 5.30 Eastern. I believe that that is 10.30 now with the time change UTC. Is that better than we were doing or worse? Worse. Oh, man. Sorry, guys. So, um, But anyway, you can check us out on uh, twitch.tv slash Amigos Podcast. I'd like to thank Lurker74, Paul Kitching, and Chris Folds for being with us at this early hour. Um, thank you all so much for watching. Thanks for playing the Amiga. Thanks for supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast. Thanks to all be the part veterans. Of the song. Thank you, veterans. Uh, we will see you next week. Until then, adios. adios.